Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I knew taking this job, it wasn't going to be up, up, up. I knew we were going to have some bad days and yeah. a couple of defeats on the bounce and three on the bounce and the pressure is going to come and pundits are going to have a go. It's football. Who's had to go yet? No one's had to go, have they? Uh, I don't know, probably secretly. I don't know. I know it's brewing. It's in the post, isn't it? It's in the post. No, you're not on the radar yet. We've got, we've got, other, we've got other bigger fish at the moment. Yeah. You're doing well. This club's a huge club. Why has this club been like this for so long? We've got to believe. If we connect each other and stay aligned, I'm hoping we can make a success of this. I was open with Jürgen, Jürgen was open with me, and I said to him, go on then, what do you see? He said, take your own team, play your own system, try things, make mistakes. What was your lowest moment in your career? The obvious one, still pains me. That's the moment to look back and think, if only I just got that right. How are you and what do you do? After a bad defeat, how do you take it? <laughs> it's bad, isn't it? You've probably seen <laughs> oh, this. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> it's a shocker. And what do you do when you get home with Alex and the kids? What are you like? Don't speak to them for a bit. <laughs> On this episode of The Overlap, I travel to Birmingham to meet a Liverpool legend who's made a great start in management. Steven Gerrard made over 700 appearances for Liverpool winning eight major trophies. We discuss his transition from playing into the dugout, bringing the title back to Rangers and returning to the Premier League with Aston Villa. Stevie, welcome to the Overlap. Great to see you. Pleasure. And thank you for inviting us down to this fantastic training ground. My pleasure. So I kept getting asked a question in Valencia and I didn't have a clue what they meant. <laughs> <laughs> and it was... They kept saying to me, what's your idea? And it was probably six, seven years ago, this. And I thought, my idea is just to win football matches and it's too basic an answer. Mm. But I'm going to ask you the same question. What's your idea of football as a manager? Uh, I think it involves different things. I think preparation. You need to know what uh, your plan is going into the game. What's your game plan, who you're up against? What's the challenge? We're trying to have a way of playing here that's adaptable to, to different opposition managers to different games, what it needs. But I think you have to know and prepare and practice how you want it to look on, on the weekend and, and really stick to that. And I went through all my the coaching badges and went on the journey from the beginning to do that. I went to the beginning in terms of getting some pitch confidence and experience and knocked the rust and the cobwebs off because I think when you first start your badges, you're a little bit you're a little bit not yeah. sure what you're doing. So that was the idea of going back to Liverpool's academy to make loads of mistakes away from the cameras and basically start a way of playing how I wanted it to look. When you took that Liverpool job, that academy job, and you said you, you, you took that really for pitch confidence, hmm. has that idea changed from that very first training session that you did there to what it is today? No, or is I, it still the same I've belief? Still, I've still tweaked and changed and took certain ideas. I got asked by Liverpool during my MLS days, would I be interested in coming back and, and, and finishing my badges at Liverpool? And would I be interested in a chat with Jürgen Klopp? And I said, yeah, of course, I'd be, I'd be open to the chat at the beginning. I already had an idea that one day I would want to have a go. Yeah. I had a good conversation with Alex Inglethorpe and it was like, look, we've got the right people at Liverpool that can help you, that can develop you, that can 
really learn you're a different side of the game that's completely different from being a player and um, that led to uh, a conversation with Jürgen Klopp and I was open with Jürgen, Jürgen was open with me and I said to him go on then what do you see from ex-players that have been in the game and he said to me well look I see so many ex-players who have been good players or have, have had strong careers and they automatically think they can go into the coaching or the management side of it and think they're going to be a success. He said, for me, the key is going back to the beginning, taking your team at a level where there's no cameras and making tons of mistakes. He said to me, I make tons of mistakes now every day. I said, it doesn't look like that. <laughs> and he said to me, you know... I go, wish he would. Yeah. <laughs> he said, go, go, you know, take the under-18 team here. And we'll shuffle the staff about. No one will lose the job. He said, don't take the 23s, he said, because I give you players, I take players, yeah. I have them training at the time that I do, and I run it around what I need. He said, take your own team, play your own way, play your own system, try things, make mistakes. It doesn't matter. It did matter to me because I wanted to win all the games. But I think that 18 months at the academy really helped me and gave me the confidence that I could go and take a job on like Rangers. Probably took that a little bit too soon. But when a club like that comes, you get a feeling, you get a feeling. It's probably a bit like when Valencia have come for you. You've probably thought, Valencia, big club. I've got to go and have a go with that. I had that feeling, but I think because I'd gone back and done the 18 months and I, I knew I could ask certain people to come and take that burden and that responsibility with me, I felt like I could go and do it. It was a gamble, it was a risk. But I'm someone who, you know, wants to, you know, challenge myself and maybe sometimes go out the comfort zone. Just going back to that Liverpool, that 18 months and that sort of learning that you had there with Jurgen Klopp, how involved was he in terms of sort of that idea of the thread through the club? No, gave... no, no, he, he left me to it. So I could have picked any system I yeah. wanted. So there was no sort of thread through the club if it had to be 4-3-3 three, three, like the first team play? I think that was more of a 23s. I yeah. think he okay. wanted to control the 23s. So when right. the 23s lads went up to train or when they were selected for cup they games, straight in. they knew exactly what it was. But I think for me and him wanting to help and support me, he said to me, blank canvas, yeah. away you go. If you want to come and see me, if you want to come and phone me, you want to ask me any questions, I'll be there for you. He said, but this is important that... It's got to be you. How do you want the next years to look? What do you want to try? What do you believe in? And, and he gave me a, a blank canvas to do that. To be honest with you, I have to say at the time, it, it, looking back now how special he is and what he's done at Liverpool, it does take a special type of character to bring back in one of the greatest club legends of all time in the youth team. Because that could have been viewed, and it would have been viewed by me and the media and others as seen, you're right on his shoulder there. I know it's not the case, but... but, but I, I, th I think with him, he's so comfortable in himself. He's got so much belief and charisma yeah. in himself. What he's done before, the character, the man. I don't think he's seen it as a threat. Yeah. I think maybe previous managers might have. But I always got a feeling that he was open arms, excited to have me in. I, I, you know, I felt uncomfortable going back to Melwood first because you know I'd been to America and I think once you've been out for a certain amount of time I think I've heard you or yeah I feel uncomfortable things, going back you, know, you feel like you don't belong there no. anymore in a way although you do yeah although you do every time I've met Jürgen Klopp whether it be anywhere it, it's I mean I see him walking his dog and I still feel like it's an open arms and it's real yeah. and I think that's because he's so comfortable and f for us as Liverpool fans obviously now I'm in the league competing I have to be careful what you say but Liverpool fans should enjoy Jürgen Klopp because he is going to be one of a million. I think he's, he's that good. Coming back to yourself, and I obviously worked with you for a couple of years with England uh, when you were captain at the very end. And obviously, I'd worked with you, obviously, with England as a, as a, as a player. Mm. But what I found was that, and I've said this since, actually, I've said it to Cara, 
that I found that you were a really serious operator. I, I didn't, obviously, as a player, you're a teammate. You just yeah, don't judge you, each other like that, well, do you? You're just but, focused on yourself, yeah. aren't you, really? But as a, as, a, as a coach there, obviously, Roy was dealing with you 99% you know, of the time. Were you already then thinking about management and sessions? Because it felt to me like you were really serious in that stage of your career, really sort of considered. Yeah, it wasn't too much emotion. It was just you're really focused on what you were doing. Yeah, I was certainly better in my own preparation, in my own routine and stuff. But I don't know what it was, but I started getting more of an interest in the stuff that you'd be sitting down with Andy Scoldenwood, for example, like the tactical side of it. And like, I didn't really look back at my own performances or like watch games back or judge myself and I just went right on to the next game probably. At Liverpool you mean? Yeah probably yeah. till late 20s it probably wasn't until I come into yeah. my 30s. More under Brendan really. Rafa a bit positionally yeah. he definitely helped me positionally mature as, as a player but I think Brendan took that a little bit to the next level in terms of like where you're receiving the ball how the detail around the coaching side of it, I spent more time with his analyst, who's now his assistant, Chris. People started saying to me, like, oh, would you like to be a coach? Or I think you might go into coaching and blah, blah. And it wasn't until probably them years where you think, I'm going to start my coaching badges and, and see. And I enjoyed a lot of the coaching badges. I didn't enjoy it all. What parts didn't you enjoy? The, the, the classroom stuff and, <laughs> and, and, and all that. But the reality is, you can't just turn up and think, I'm Stephen Gerrard, give me the badge. Yeah. So you, you have to... It's a bit like a driving test, actually. Isn't yeah, it? you'd have to have a go. You'd have to make your mistakes, and you need people who know exactly what coaching and manager is about. To be honest with you, and give yeah. you feedback and stuff. And listen, I hope I continue to develop and, and, and evolve. I don't stand here right now and think I'm, I'm a fantastic manager. I'm a good manager. I'm, you know, I've got a fantastic opportunity, yeah. which I'm very pleased of. I want to make the most of it, but I know there's levels to this, and I need to keep trying to to, to get better at it. Up there, it's Celtic v Rangers, and it's daily and it's constant. More intense than Merseyside, Liverpool yeah, Everton. Yeah, it needed a better medical department. It needed a better gym. It needed better football pitches. <laughs> you made it sound like Bootle United. <laughs> yeah, Bootle's a good place. Man. <laughs>it's a firecracker of a job, a firecracker of an atmosphere up there. Mm. Probably the most hostile atmosphere I've ever seen in world football on the Galatasaray. He said before you took it too early. Why do you say that? I think more maybe in other, other people's minds. People were thinking, well, how's, how's he maybe got this job on the back of what? You know, he's only been at Liverpool's academy for two years coaching. Has he got this on the back of being a good player? There was a lot of that flying around the media in terms of, of opinions and stuff. Look, I, I, had a, I had a feeling inside. I, I had enough belief and confidence in myself and the team of people if they all agreed to come and take the task on with me that we could go and certainly improve things. Did I believe at the time that we could go and knock Celtic over? You must have done. You wouldn't have took it otherwise, eh? Well, well look, I thought to myself, you know, yeah. Brendan's up there, he's done top. He's had a certain period of time. You know, wh why can't we go and challenge that? But I knew that there was a gap probably realised when I went in the job that the gap was a lot bigger. There was a lot more that needed doing in terms of improving the, the, the infrastructure, the facilities. It needed a better medical department. It needed a brand new canteen. It needed a better gym. It needed better football pitches. It, it, needed, it needed a lot of things doing because if we were going to attract a certain... You made it sound like Bootle United. <laughs> yeah, Bootle's a good place, man. So, um, no, you go up there and you realise that, you know, there's a lot of other things that need doing yeah. as well as improving the gap. From, from so you were building a football club, really, weren't you, rather I, I than just I think a... we all were. Yeah. It wasn't just down to yeah. me. You know, we, 
to be fair to, to the board at the time and, and the uh, sporting director, Mark Allen, uh, who'd come from Man City, to be fair, that helped me because he'd seen elite and the backing from the owners, they'd obviously been through enough pain where they wanted to really have a go and improve yeah. things and they backed us on and off the pitch. Again, it took time, it took yeah. a lot of setbacks, it took a lot of disappointments, a lot of real tough days for us to get the team and the club where we wanted it to be, to really go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. And that was probably in year three. We should have won the League Cup in year two. We totally dominated them. That still doesn't sit well with me. But when we first played Brendan Rodgers' team, he, he outplayed us. There was a real serious gap in the quality and the level of player he had uh, to what we had. So we, we basically, with time, we had to really do a full recycle of the, the whole 11 and even, even beyond that. When you went up there, you said that Obviously, Brendan had done a top job at Celtic, but you'd obviously played under him at Liverpool. Were you speaking to him up there with obviously the rivalry that existed? Not, not, not regularly. I'd send him a text. Look, every time Brendan's won something prior to obviously when I went up to Celtic, I'd, I'd always send him a text, congratulations. But when we were up there, we didn't really have... He, he welcomed me with a text yeah. out of respect, of course. But then obviously, yeah. once you start competing and you're fighting, it's, it's an yeah. hello at the game, all the best. And then you'd have a, a minute or two after the games. But... Unless you're actually in that, you don't realise how intense it is. Yeah. Probably for both sides, I can only speak from the Rangers More side. More intense than Merseyside, Liverpool-Everton, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's saying Cause, something. Because I think Liverpool have got United as a rival, and they've now got City and yeah. Chelsea have become a, a rival and stuff like that. Up there, it's Celtic v Rangers, and it's daily and it's constant, and it's every press conference, it's every street you walk in, supermarket, it's, it's Celtic Rangers dominant. And then if you add, obviously, the political side to it as well, it becomes even more intense. Did you both, get involved in that? No, no. Both, <laughs> at, both atmospheres, though, are, I must say, now I'm out of it, sensational. Yeah. Really top, top. And I, I almost say to myself now, like, maybe in hindsight, should I have gone up to one of them rather than go to America? But I probably went to America for different reasons. So, yeah. But fantastic games to be involved in, not at the time, because they're intense. You just want them out the way and you want the right results. But Rangers are a fantastic club. The support I had uh, from the fans, from the board, and, and everyone connected to the club, I couldn't really ask for any more. OK, the, the last, after we won it, maybe, you know, I would have wanted a bit more, like, come on, let, yeah. let's really... To go for let's it. Let's really go for it. Did they not start off the money? Uh, well, look, I, I think everyone had different um, challenges, COVID issues, and every club had their own thing, so I totally understood it. But I'm very much someone who, when you achieve something, it's very much like, come on, let's go let's again, go and let's go again. And look, we, 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 we tried. Unfortunately, we never qualified for the Champions League. That's obviously on me. We had some issues at the time with certain players, and we took a while getting a few targets in that we wanted. Um, we had to compromise a little bit, but it was on me. And then we started the season, and, and up until I left, we, we, we left them in, in, in front. In a good place. In a, in a good place, and I'm sure Gio really appreciated the squad we built, because I, I still believe now Rangers have got a fantastic chance of going to, to build on what we've done there, and I'd, I'd love to see that. Joe, when you lived in Liverpool, for you, obviously, as big as you were in Liverpool, it was like a goldfish ball, I can imagine, at times, in terms of going out. Yeah. Was it like that for you in Scotland, yes. going up to Glasgow? Yes, and, and I'm very much someone who, when I'm in a job, I don't really go into the centres that much. I don't really go out and spend time. I'm basically in... in Is that just because of the fact that you Maybe a difficult. bit of it. Maybe I know it's difficult to go certain places. Don't get me wrong, in Glasgow, people in the main were very respectful and when you're in restaurants, they leave you alone. They understand that when you're out of the football thing, you need yeah. to be left alone. Not everyone, but yeah. it's, 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 it's better than what you think. Yeah. But I'm very much someone, if I'm in Glasgow, 
I'm in work, getting all the work done. If I'm not, I'm home watching football or preparing for the game that's coming. That's the same here in Birmingham. I've been into Birmingham City Centre once because I needed an item of clothing that I'd forgot at home. But if I'm in Birmingham, I'm either at the training ground or I'm at home yeah. working or watching football, yeah. trying to look for players. <laughs> Some like that. <laughs> you were obviously really successful up at Rangers, but in those early days of management, maybe that first year or two, what were the things that you look at and think, I don't do that anymore, I, I was making mistakes there. Things that you look at and think, that, that wasn't right, that yeah, I need to adapt. Yeah, controlling my emotions. Well, were you That's... losing your rag with them? No, or... no, no, I have done once or twice, don't get yeah. me wrong. Maybe going into the media and, and, and answering a few questions where I thought, I shouldn't have said that, why did I let myself get there? Maybe a bit Any of... Any specific instances yeah. where you can think? I remember once we, we beat Celtic at Celtic Park and um, there'd been a lot of mud flying with ex-players and pundits in the media and all that and it's not that I go look for it but yeah. we beat Celtic once at Celtic Park and I was probably a little bit over thinking with my celebrations on the pitch and with Neil Lennon which I regret but at the same time it's, it's like a constant wind up as well from their side all the success and look I feel it I, I am emotional I'm not perfect at it yeah. but it's definitely something that I feel like I'm working on and, and getting better at and I think balance is so important at this level I think you've still got to enjoy the yeah. wins because they're tough to get yeah and that is the good part but at the same time a lot of people as you say are looking to me and that's the reason why it's important to be balanced like you know i don't want to be on the ceiling when we win i don't want to be on the floor i want to get the balance right of really enjoying the win and and showing people how much it means to me because i think people can feed off that but at the same time i don't want people to see me on the floor or yeah. like feeling it and wearing it too much, even yeah. though I think you've got to be an actor at certain times, you've got to, you know, keep it in and yeah. that's what that's what I have been trying to work with. I think it's an important part. To win a league up there and take it off Celtic after so many years. Was that beyond your wildest imagination when you went up there in terms of sort of that moment coming out? I mean, I think you're the type that you'd probably felt like a failure if you'd not come back with a league title. It's a tough job up there. People think it's easy, but it's not because the pressure and it is intense when you're in it. I know maybe it doesn't get enough coverage down here, for whatever reason, but when you're in there, a draw is a, is a no, <laughs> uh, a defeat is a no-no, and um, you've got to live that, and it is a journey, and it was, and there was a lot of bumps, a lot of setbacks, a lot of down days, a lot of disappointments, but to actually achieve the remit that I was asked to do, beyond that, I did feel as if it was almost like, well, come on then, if we're going to set a new remit, let's go yeah. again. Yeah. And I just felt we would add a little bit of a thing there. And um, when the opportunity came to obviously come back to the Premier League, in that situation, that's tough. Because I did have that connection, and I still have. I still got a lot of respect for Rangers, and I still respect the fans immensely. But I'd been away from my family a lot for three and a half years. I missed the Premier League. And I think in, in this managerial Journey, when an opportunity comes to be in the best league and challenge yourself against the best, what was going through my mind is if I don't take this one, maybe it might get another one. What is it that you found that you think, right, that's the one thing that I need to change here that will enable us to go and achieve top four, top six? We've got to believe. Brighton have gone up there and Wolves have gone up there, you know. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? 
United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I say to myself, why can't that be Villa? Hi, everyone. I hope you're enjoying this episode. This is just a quick thank you to Skybet, our partners, for making this show happen. It's something I've wanted to do for a long, long time. Please subscribe. There's loads more episodes coming up, and I hope you're enjoying it. Right, let's get back into this episode. I always used to think when you played football, you were all action. You'd run forward, you'd sprint back, you'd be on the right wing crossing it, <laughs> then you'd be, you'd be at the back post. That was pre Rafa days. That he said to me, stay, just stay. He shoved you on the right so he'd keep you in one place. Well, yeah, he did, yeah. And then I managed to start scoring goals. I was like, what's going on? I don't even like playing here. Uh. Yeah, that's what a good manager does. They make you play somewhere you don't want to mm. play. But in terms of sort of how you played football, how much of that comes into your idea of football now? Is it very much. Do you understand why Rafa wanted more discipline from you maybe when you. Definitely now. Definitely now, so I think um, positions on the pitch now are even more important than maybe what they were. I think maybe I was that style and stuff because I was a local lad for Liverpool and I just wanted to win so much and I, I took so much responsibility on myself and stuff. But I don't really think now in terms of my style, oh, do, do I want it to look like how I played, if you know what I mean? Um, I think all teams are different. Like Liverpool and City at the moment fascinate me because... They're both obviously two of the best teams in the world, but they're so different. Yeah. One kills you with speed and energy and relentlessness end to end. One kills you positionally. That's why it, it fascinates me a bit. I mean, in terms of our style, now I understand more why the likes of Rafa would pull me or Capello would pull me because positions on the pitch, whether you're on the ball or out of possession, are so important at this level because people find your weaknesses out so quick at this level. It's, <laughs> is that it's something you have? You're, you're, like everyone used to say you have tens, and you've got mm. two tens mm. at times. Yeah. You say, oh, ten can do what he wants. That's, mm. that, was, that was the old sort of thing, you know, they can float, they can mm. sort of pick up the ball, get in pocket. They have to be real disciplined now, those tens, don't they? Yeah, and I, I think they also have to play with no ego. I mean, gone are the days where you could have maybe a nine or a ten and, you know, out of possession, they can do whatever they want. So I don't think them days are there anymore. So everyone's got a role within the team. The key for us is to try and have clarity in every role, individually and collectively. You know, our distances are important in the pitch. Everyone should know, after time, exactly what we expect of them in an hour position. You are quite compact, aren't you, in your shape when, you sort of, when, when I watch you defensively. Do you work a lot on that as well? Yeah, we do. Listen, I think distances are important. They always have been. I think when you're playing against these top sides and these top managers, you've also got to have a certain thing where you think, if we're not right here, distance-wise and organisation-wise, in areas of the pitch, you can be embarrassed very quickly. So we do try and block the middle of the pitch in certain, at certain times of the game. Of course we do. Uh, but this is what I'm saying to you about sometimes you've got to adapt. 
you know, especially we're sitting in the middle of the table now. Some games for us, we might have 60% possession. So then the challenge becomes, are we going to open the block? So we have to maybe prepare and train slightly different for that challenge. Then from that challenge, you could be going up against City and you think we're probably only going to have 30, 35% of the ball on, on, on a good day. You know, how can we hit this team? If we can, how are we going to get the ball back? And, and that's why you've got to adapt a little bit. Yeah. At Rangers, with all due respect, we knew we'd dominate the ball the majority yeah. of the games. So, yeah, that's what we, we, we're trying to do here, is to try and be adaptable and um, try and be as best prepared we can for, for the different challenges that come your way. I was thinking that on the way down here. You played at Liverpool, who would win the majority of the games. You then was at Liverpool's academy, I suspect, would have won the majority of the games. You go to Rangers and you know you're going to win the majority of the games. Then you come to Aston Villa and you're doing a brilliant job. But you're probably losing more now than you probably ever have done in your career in terms of percentage. Is that difficult for you because of your mentality? Because yeah, you are doing well it, in the job. You, you it know, is something that I have to work on in terms yeah. of my own balance. By saying that, it's like at Rangers, there were two different types. For example, obviously your Celtics and yeah. other teams close would, would, would obviously give you more, more of a game. And then in Europe, we'd yeah. probably be the underdog. Yeah. So you've got two sides of it if you had a decent run in the competition. Here, obviously, we took over when we were 16, so the yeah. priority was to get away from that. And the priority in the short term is can we finish in the top half of the league and set ourselves up for a positive pre-season, which would be our first one. Can we have another positive window and get more, more players in that can help the current group? And then can we push on again and nudge it up again? But yeah, you're right, we seem to be taking two or three steps forward, looking really positive and then obviously having a couple of setbacks and that's been the story of it. But that is the reality of where we're at right now. Yeah. And um, we've got a great group of lads who have given me every instance I've walked in the door. But from my own point of view, I have to realise where we're at. Keep working with them, keep supporting them try and stay balanced even when we don't get the right results and, and keep lifting them. But you're right, I have normally been at, at a team where you win the majority of the games, but you can't always have it that way. No. And sometimes, you know, you've got to, you know, be, be, be in the now and, and, and realise this is the group of players I've got. We've got real good potential, but how can we go and grab some of these higher positions off the teams that have gone and done it, who've been in our position, like West Ham. Yeah. Brighton have gone up there and Wolves have gone up there, you know couple of windows and the right support, why can't that be Villa? I was just going to say, is that the ambition to do what Leicester have maybe done in the last five or six years, West Ham have done in this last couple under yeah, David Moyes to get into I think it'd be unrealistic from the Ranieri Leicester to expect that yeah, yeah. that's going to yeah, happen again. Sorry, I think that's yeah. one in a million, but yeah. certainly the way Brendan, the job Brendan's done at Leicester to like, I wouldn't say punch above your way because that's disrespectful, but yeah. with the right support and time and his coaching and his way, he's gone and upset the top six. I think Moyes has gone and upset the top six in a different way by having a really strong team and spine and a real powerful team. And yeah, I think Wolves have shown signs that they're maybe capable, Brighton have for a, for a period of time. And I, I'm hoping with time and the right support, everyone aligned at the club, why can't we go and, you might call it, punch above your weight or maybe just go and grab one of them positions? I mean, this club's a huge club. I mean, going back to when I was, and you'll have been sort of younger, absolutely huge club, Aston Villa, could even be challenging for the title in a couple mm. of seasons in the early 90s. Why has this club been like this for so long? What, 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 what is it that you've found that you think, right, that's the one thing that I need to change here that will enable us to go and achieve that sort of top four, top six? And well, that look, I, I'm, I'm sure other managers have answered this question and probably said something similar to what I'm going to say, but I think we've got to, we've got to believe. Yeah. We've got to believe, and collectively you've got to believe. It, it can't be just me and my staff believing. So 
we're hoping with time, our support staff and, and everyone, top to bottom. The, the, from the top of the club, they're super ambitious. They're super ambitious. They've supported you well in January, didn't they? Ve very, very well. And my CEO, Christian Pearsall, is very ambitious. My sporting director is very ambitious. My team of staff are. And, and in the, you know, the, the group are. But the reality is we still need support. And um, hoping with that we can go and keep getting better, keep evolving, keep training, keep believing and keep getting better at what we believe in. Hopefully we can go and do that. I don't think you're the type of person that would have taken this job on without having that guaranteed support from the ownership and obviously the supporting director. Is that something that's going to come again in the summer transfer window? Look, I, I don't want to go on record and say, you know, what's being said privately in, in, in meetings with the owners. But the key thing for me, when I went back to Liverpool as, as a coach, you know, when I went up to Rangers, the important thing is the first chat. It's like, come on then, where are you now? Yeah. Let's be honest, where are we now? What is it going to take? And, you know, are we all on the same page? Are we aligned with that belief and that, that ambition to go and really have a good crack at it? So I don't expect any guarantees. I don't no. expect owners to say to me, you've got three, four years without a doubt, you've got yeah. X amount of money. I don't think football works like that. I know as well as you do, this is a, a brutal, cruel business and yeah. you, 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 you never know you know, how it's going to go. Yeah. Uh, we're capable of putting a run of results together. Now I'm confident that the lads can go on and, and really impress ourselves and everyone. But I also know where we're at right now in this league. Yeah. You can be on the back of a, a poor run pretty quickly if you don't do the right things and you come off it, for sure. What was your lowest moment you look back on and think, I've not been lower than that? The obvious one. Still pains me. That's the moment to look back and think, if only I just got that right, it'd be so much better. Stevie, so we have a section called Failure is a Bruise, not a Tattoo. <laughs> it comes from uh, something that happened earlier in my career. You've probably witnessed it. Um, what was your lowest moment in your career that you look back on and think, I've not been lower than that? Um, it'd have to be the obvious one. The Chelsea moments and then the Crystal Palace game, realising that it had gone. Still pains me come through it and as you say it is it is a bruise it was uh, a learning experience it's something that I always will take responsibility for that moment that's the moment to look back and think if only I just got that right it'd be so much better <laughs> do you still remember the moment the actual moment itself not as much as I did when it was fresh and stuff and with time obviously you, you think less and less and stuff you're obviously focused on on the now and, and moving forward and stuff but I, it definitely flashes back of course it does and um I think the reason why I always say that moment to that question is because I don't want people to think I'm ignoring it. And um, I think because it was quite cruel, if you know what I mean, it, it wasn't like an own goal, it wasn't like a technical thing, or it was quite a just like a, you know, that's happened to me in my life so many times, on stairs, outside, on a wet floor, or blah, blah, and nothing happens. It's not a bruise, because it's not a failure. but. Unfortunately, it happened to me at a real cruel time from a personal point of view, so that's the reason why I don't want to look as if I'm ignoring it. How long do you think at the time it took you to get over it? Because I remember it was just before the World Cup, wasn't it? And mm -hmm. at that time, the Liverpool players were a big part of that squad. Yeah. But you came to, mm -hmm. I think, I, I always remember the energy that, you know, you, Adam Lallana, Jordan Henderson, Raheem Sterling, Daniel Sturridge, mm -hmm. Glenn Johnson was still, there was about yeah. five or six of you that were a big part of that they squad. They were all flying at the time. 
Listen, I, I had a really strong season in terms of what I was asked to do in the team. Yeah. I was playing in a deeper role, but I think I complemented the new energy and the new yeah. stars in the team, if you like. But it definitely had an effect on me mentally for, for, for some time. I don't know whether it was months or years. I mean, still to this day, when it has a flashback, it still doesn't feel great. So I don't know, it's a suppose it's an ongoing thing. But time-wise, I don't know, maybe that affected my decision to maybe go to America for a few years to really just... I think being in Liverpool, you, you've lived this yourself in, in, in Manchester, when you're in that and you're in that routine every single day, that pressure and that responsibility, I, I think sometimes you've just got to break free. You've got to break free and, and go away. So that's the reason why maybe not going to play for a Celtic or a Rangers or drop dance in the Championship was the right thing. I think for me, I still felt... I wanted to enjoy my footy. I still felt I had a few years left. Maybe not at that level. Could have been a sub, maybe, or a, a backup player, which I was offered to do. But I just felt for me and my family and the ending, I felt the right thing was to just go and reset and just go and you know live a little bit. And that moment was part of it, you think, at the time? I, I think it probably was, yeah. It wasn't on the back of that. I didn't do it because no. of that. But probably where I was at, I'd probably say it had a, it had a influence, yeah. In terms of obviously the players that we see now, and we know we know a lot more about mental health than we did even sort of five, six, seven years ago, let alone 15 years ago when you were in the changing room. Mm. How do you cope with that now as a manager when you see players that potentially have those types of issues that exist? And did you get, did you seek any help at all during your career by a psychologist? Yeah, and, you know, yeah, you the, did. The, yes. Um, I had a, a groin avulsion, which is to explain as where your, your groin muscle completely comes off the bone. Yeah. And I didn't have any guarantees or certainty that I was going to recover from that and play again, and I struggled a lot. Selfishly thinking, oh, what if I don't play football again? And now, obviously, with age and experience and maturity, you realise that there's, you know, there's, a, there's a life as well as football. When yeah. you're in football, you don't think there is. I'm very much someone who is open to being there for the players for everything. The only thing above football for me is family and your health. So when I sit down with a group of players, whether it be, you know, me younger players at Liverpool, Rangers or, or here at Villa, I think you've got to show them that you're a human being. I think you've got to show them that they can come and talk to you with whatever they're comfortable talking to you to. I'm not going to be a psychologist. I'll have that in place because I, I don't want any excuses. I don't want to be in a position where that's not there for the players. I think... Having experienced that with the injury and even a little bit around the, the Chelsea stuff and some of the lows in, in your football career, I think it's it's underestimated. I, I think you need to have all the support, if you can, if the resources are there. Not every club's got that, but I think in life in general, we, we need to do more to have that support for people. And what advice would you give to a young, it could be a young football fan, a young uh, football player that is going through and hitting a low? Talk. Talk talk to someone, hopefully they've got that person, I mean some people mightn't but sh there's always someone there, a, a doctor, a medic, a psych, a, a friend. In my, in my younger years there's been things that you keep in yeah. and I'm not sure that helps so for me now I, I'm, I'm someone that is really like open to, to, to support and, 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 and advising people that talk to someone and, and help and, and don't keep it in. I haven't got a plan in terms of beyond here. My plan is to try and make Aston Villa better. How are you and what do you do after a bad defeat? And what do you do when you get home with Alex and the kids? What are you like? Don't speak to them for a bit. <laughs> I think that I know the answer to the question, but how are you and what do you do 
after a bad defeat, how do you take it? <laughs> it's bad, isn't it? You've probably seen <laughs> oh, this. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> it's a shocker. Uh, oh. Particularly if you have like two or three on the bounce where you're just like... Oh. Do you know what I do first? I control my staff. <laughs> I control my staff. Why, what are they doing? Are they jumping up no, and down? Listen, it's an emotional game. Everyone's yeah. emotional between the four walls. You know, after after we blamed all the refs and VAR and <laughs> uh, no, listen, I I'm very much someone who, if I'm going to manage this, I've got to be the one that takes yeah. takes it on my shoulders. But me me staff are very passionate. They they're all in. They they take it personal. But at the end of the day, it's me. I'm yeah. asking them to do certain things. I'm giving them responsibility to be themselves. And the important thing is that we've protected the, the dressing room. You know, and we knew, or I knew taking this job, it wasn't going to be up, up, up. I knew we were going to have some bad days and a couple of defeats on the bounce and three on the bounce and the pressure's going to come and pundits are going to have a go. It's football, and Who's had to go yet? No one's had to go, have they? Uh, I don't know, probably secretly they have. I don't know. I know it's brewing. It's in the post, isn't it? <laughs> it's in the post. No, you're not on the radar yet. We've got, we've got, other, we've got other bigger fish at the moment. Yeah, you're doing well. I'm sure it'll only be a matter of time. But listen, no, I think... In, in this position, it's important that your, your players and your staff know that if it is tough, yeah. if it is one of them moments where it's it's, yeah. it's pulling in you, I've got to be the one that takes that. Yeah. And what do you do when you get home with Alex and the kids? What are you like? Don't speak to them for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Do you know what I'm better at now than when I played? And I, I guarantee it, but look, it's, it's took time. I'm, I'm better now at leaving it at the front door. I'm not perfect. I think you say drinking. <laughs> no, I'm better at that as well, because I love it. No. I'm better at leaving it in the car or at the right. door, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's still pulling, it's still yeah. hurting, but I am someone who's better at home now. Does and, it affect and your sleep? I, I wouldn't say it, it affects, like, listen, I have some sleepless nights. Yeah. Of course you do. I think every manager does at any level of football. Yeah. You'd be a liar if you just said, oh, no, it doesn't affect you, of yeah. course. You know, going into big games or when you know you need an important win or after a couple of defeats or a bad run of form, of course, it, yeah. it plays on your mind more, 100%, yeah. You're a new wave of young manager that's just come out of the game, that's doing really well. What advice would you now give to a player in his 30s that's thinking of going into management, having had that experience that you've had in this last five or ten years? The first thing is make sure you do all your badges properly. Commit to them. Commit to doing it all and learning and, and trying to get yourself better. The second one would be go and learn away from the cameras, the advice that I got, and really find out how you want to be, what your identity is, your philosophy, what you believe in, how you want it to look. Go and work on that. And the third one would be work out who you want to share the journey with, who do you trust, who's going to make you stronger, who's going to support you in the areas where you know maybe you can't get to. I wouldn't have been able to go and make Rangers success and get this opportunity and do okay so far in this role without Gary McAllister, without McBeer, without Tom Coleshaw, without my fitness coach and the people I really trust to take this on with me. And I've been lucky because I've inherited some top staff as well. And the key for me is if we connect each other and stay aligned, I'm hoping we can make a success of this. I haven't got a plan in terms of beyond here. Yeah. A lot of people think I have. A lot of people think X, Y and Z is going to happen. My plan is to try and make Aston Villa better. My plan is to try and make the owners proud and the fans proud of the team that we're trying to produce and grow here. That's my only plan. My, my, I don't think there's any point having a plan because you don't know in this game at this level how long your plan will last. Steve, that's a great place to finish. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Well done.
Transformative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are, like, interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.